Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of season two of the Invisible Truths podcast. I am your host, Ben Tapper, and this week I'm here with Rosa DeBoer. Rosa is a spiritual life coach, an astrologer, and a yoga instructor, and she's coming to us all the way from, drumroll please, the Netherlands. Welcome, Rosa. It's so good to have you this morning. Thank you, Ben. That was an awesome intro. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. (laughs) Fourth time's the charm. (laughs) Uh, Rosa, is there anything you'd like to add to your bio before we jump in? Well, you were really clear on it. Yes, I uh, help people live their truth and fullest potential. I do that with coaching and astrology is an amazing tool to uh, dive deep into our soul here in this lifetime. Excellent. So that's probably a good place to start then. I think most listeners will generally understand what it means to be a spiritual life coach, generally get the idea of being a yoga instructor, but they're probably wondering what it means to help people as an astrologer. Uh, Some may even confuse astrology and astronomy. So can you help unpack for us what it means not only to be an astrologer, but how it plays into your other roles as life coach and yoga instructor? Yes, of course. That's an awesome question. Well, first of all, way back, astrology and astronomy were one, actually. But with the rise of science, they got a little bit uh, apart, you know. So astrology basically is the study of celestial activity phenomena. So cosmic activity and what is happening in our cosmos and relating that to earthly events. And the study of cosmic activity and earthly events, that goes way back, like centuries. And the Greek word astrologia, if I say that right, means telling of the stars. And it's so interesting and fascinating to see how this has uh, developed over the world. You know, ancient cultures and uh, places like China, but also in South America with the Mayans and the Babylonia and, and Egypt and even, you know, Greek, India, all these places that weren't necessarily connected then like they are now, all made their own study of celestial activity and what happened here on earth and it's insanely interesting to see how much they are alike and um, I always say astrology is a cosmic exploration of self and that is why I like it as a tool when I'm coaching or um, just providing a session where I hold space for transformation and growth because it's such an in important way of looking at yourself and your yeah, transformation here um, if you want to take your development a little bit more holistically. So the interesting thing about astrology and celestial activity, I wonder people might be like, what the hell does move, the movement of Jupiter has to do with me, you know? <laughs> uh, well, if you, if you see... 
astrology is being seen as the symbolic language that has been developed while we were interpreting activity in the sky. So how we try to interpret and express what we see in the sky and what's happening here, we express that with a vocabulary based on archetypes uh, on the zodiac. So most people, they are familiar with astrology while flipping through Cosmopolitan and they hear about Sagittarius or Aquarius. And that those are all archetypes based on myth, mythology, um, cultures, and that is the vocabulary we use to interpret what we see happening in the sky and here on Earth. And when it comes to what happens, um, I tend to look at it like everything is energy. And what I mean by that is that everything has its own frequency, its own vibration. And you can imagine frequencies can resonate with each other or they can repel each other. And when you zoom out and look at it pretty from a big standpoint, a helicopter view, if two big planets with their own vibration come closer together or drift apart, that has an, an, an influence and energy that we are interpreting here. And when we look at the moon, for instance, we know it has profound influence on water on the earth, on uh, the riptides, um, but also even menstrual cycles. It's insane. So these bigger planets that are more far away from the earth, they were in a, a certain place at a certain distance from each other. And at the moment we are born and take our first breath here in this life, in this reality we're in, um, yeah, there was a certain placement and a certain energetic resonance. And I look as an astrologer at that uh, moment in time in a chart where everything was placed and what resonance was present for you while you took your first breath. And that gives us very interesting information about our growth as a human being in this life. Uh it does. And I say that because I recently had a friend of mine do a um, birth chart for me. And mm. so I gave her my information, uh, the date I was born, the location, city, uh, exact time. And she kind of looked some stuff up and, and gave me a birth chart. So I was looking it up as we were talking. And while I have never studied astrology. I have until we she and I started talking. I didn't know a whole lot about it. Mm -hmm. The the Christian background I come from, astrology and a lot of Christian traditions and denominations is seen as something um, risky at best and sometimes even evil at worst. You know, mm -hmm. and so I think the last few years it's become more recently accepted, but. Mm -hmm. Growing up, it never was. Anyway, I say all that to say, once she put together my birth chart and I read through it, it is probably the most accurate snapshot uh, of who I am that I have ever seen written down. And I have done, I've tried the Enneagram, I have tried Myers-Briggs, mm. you know, and some of these have been fairly accurate, but reading the long-term view of my astrological chart, not only like who I am, but where I'm going, different life phases, it felt like it was just telling my entire life story in an eerily accurate way. And it, I was surprised to see yeah. that. I didn't expect that from astrology. Mm, um, and beautiful. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, really, really interesting. Uh, and, you know, I know about 
I, I've grown up knowing I was a Leo, right? My birthday is July 28th. And so I knew that I was a Leo. And from mm-hmm. what I understand of Leos, there are times where I am very much the poster child for what a Leo is. Um, but what I'm learning about, and maybe you can help uh, unpack a little bit, is your, like my um, ascendant sign and mm-hmm. where my moon is. Uh, can you talk some about how those, how those play with your, your dominant sign? Yes, totally. Yes. Really good question because people who are new to astrology or new to understanding it, they're like, yeah, no, well, uh, I know I'm born in this month, so I am a Leo or in my case, I'm a Sagittarius. And that is just one fraction of the resonance that plays out in your development because that only tells us where the sun was when you were born. But there are many other planets and asteroids and points in the cosmos that are at play and comprise the whole story. And two very important points that also really have a really big part in who you are uh, next to your sun um, is also the ascendant and the moon. So the ascendant is the eastern horizon where the sun rises and uh, from our point of view of the earth and um, so the ascendant is also referred to as the rising sign and the rising sign is more um, how we come across to other people and then we also have the moon and the moon is more uh, referring to our inner world our emotional safety our needs to be emotionally well how we emotionally react And I always give this example because my sister and I, we were born at the same day, but three years apart. So we both have a son as Sagittarius, but we are completely different people. We both have Sagittarius at heart, at our core. Our essence is very Sagittarius. Uh, But how we come across to others and how um, we look and uh, make sense of the world is very different because our rising sign is different. So she is a ascendant, a Virgo ascendant, and I have a Scorpio ascendant. So I always make this uh, little joke. Let's say we were both cars, like Toyota cars, and we come from the same Toyota factory. We have the same Toyota, you know, wheels and construction. She totally looks like a Toyota Igo because she's a Virgo ascendant, and I look come across as a Toyota Prius because I'm a Scorpio. So that's always how I explain that to someone else. So if someone would meet me at a, somewhere for the first time, they might see my Scorpio first. And then as they meet me uh, more deeply, they will see my Sagittarius essence. And then your moon, which in my case is Aquarius, is very much what I need to be emotionally well and um, how my inner world is constructed emotionally. The moon is very uh, watery, so it has to do with emotions. And the moon also represents your subconscious. So it's a very deep part of self. And uh, yeah, in my case, it's Aquarius, um, which is actually funny because my first astrology reading was in 2007. And the lady told me, she was like, you would be really good at this stuff. (laughs) Look at me now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look at you now, indeed. <laughs> uh, I am also a moon in Aquarius, by the way. And um, my rising sign is Sagittarius. 
Oh, wow. So I like that. That's double fire for you with a Leo. <laughs> I have so much fire in my chart. It is, <laughs> it's insane. Insane. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so what was your journey or what has your journey into astrology been like? Was there a moment when astrology clicked or when you had that realization that, oh, well, this, this is actually meaningful for me on a personal level? For some reason, I find that astrology finds you. So um, it came on my path like in 2007 uh, when I met a, a Dutch astrologer who did my chart. And I always was super intrigued by the planetary movements. And I remember when I was a little girl in school, we had these little planets hang. They hang from the ceiling and I had to name them. So I was always super interested and intrigued. So... Sometimes it comes to you and then you just go on with your life and, you know, being, uh, being young and growing up. So I was um, in a relationship with someone for like eight years and yeah, we got married too. And um, I was growing and developing and we came to a point um, where I was growing and developing in such a way that was not really resonating with my ex-husband at the time. And it was really hard for us to find common ground to see if we could both be ourselves without self-sacrifice. Um, that was a, a challenging time. And uh, when I was like completely lost, I, I went to Bali for a few weeks. And um, I met up with a girlfriend there who was doing a world trip of two years. So I hadn't seen her in a while. And she was already in Ubud. And when I arrived, she was like, you know what? I met this astrologer and I think you should go talk to him. Um, and I think he could, you know, might shed some light or give some clarity or direction. So I wandered the hot streets of Ubud. And I was so happy when I found him uh, in his air conditioned space as I was close to a literal meltdown. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, we had the most intriguing and enlightening conversations of 90 minutes that completely shook me to my core and woke me up about taking a different perspective, a cosmic perspective on my life here and what it is that I want to solidify and who I am and what needs to be expressed here. So that gave me like a, a really big wake up call and gifted me so much clarity on what I needed to resolve with my ex-husband at the time. And it also gave me a pretty big wake up call, like, wow, astrology, yes. I always knew this was of interest to me, but I really want to take this seriously now. So I started studying and um, about the, the ex-husband, we, we decided to separate and uh, that was a very challenging but also beautiful time because it gave us both big lessons and it also gave me um, more space to study and develop as the person that I am and that I need to express and that's as an astrologer right now. <laughs> I certainly can relate to the beauty that timely insight can offer, you know, in, in some of those more difficult life situations and transitions. And so I yes. appreciate that insight. I, I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk more about what the insight felt like. Sometimes insight can feel for me like a, 
a cool drink of water or lemonade in on a hot summer day. Other times it feels more like that truth that I don't want to face, that I know is right, that I resist with everything I have in me until I can no longer resist, right? And so it's it's not a relief, it's more of uh, something I'd rather run from than, than, mm-hmm. than explore. And sometimes it's just this really subtle awakening that takes place over time and gradually shapes the way that I walk through life, like a, like a stream gradually carving out a path in a rock formation. Yeah. And so as you talk about that time where you're evaluating your, your marriage and you stumble upon or, or as astrology finds you and you recognize that it resonates, what was that moment of, of truth and resonance like? Well, it was definitely not like a glass of lemonade. <laughs> yes. No, it was definitely um, a truth that I didn't want to face. And that is also one of the harshest lessons sometimes for me, definitely, that, you know, in our case, love wasn't enough to make a beautiful, healthy container of growth for both of us, uh, AKA a relationship uh, on how I see it. And um, that was uh, such a harsh truth to come to terms with. But the interesting thing, and that is what I also see with clients that I'm helping, um, truths that are uncomfortable and nothing like a glass of lemonade, they have their own way of knocking on your door and, you know, also slowly sometimes waking you up because I already knew this truth inside of me, but it took a long time for me to unpack it and really see it for what it was and take my time to come to terms with it and make a decision. And that's sometimes hard about discernment. Um, It takes a little time for your head to catch up with your heart. And I think that is okay. And as long as you are trying to and willing to uncover truths that are not always beautiful and showing up daring greatly as Brene Brown puts it, that is the factor that will help you move forward through those lessons in time. Sometimes a lesson isn't learned in, in, a, you know, in one day or in a short period of time. But the insight that came from that particular astrology reading, that was like ringing all of my bells. And that was because he was putting me in this new perspective of who are you now and how are you expressing that in your world? And are you willing to solidify this? And that is a question you cannot really run away from. And that is what helps you even closer to unpacking the truth and being ready for decision making. So I love astrology as a tool for spiritual discernment. Those questions you shared are so incredibly meaningful and powerful. So I want to thank you for sharing them and for the listeners, I'll, I'll repeat them just in case they missed it. Who are you now? And are you willing to solidify this? Uh, such, such timely, important questions. Because I think each of us, 
we do the hard work or maybe we don't do the work and we just have some concept of who we are innately. Like what does it mean to be Ben Tapper? What does it mean to be Rosa? Mm -hmm. But as life goes on, as we grow and age and have different experiences, we are naturally transforming, right? Again, like, like a, a mountain that has streams running through it, the streams are transforming the mountain gradually, imperceptibly, but the transformation is taking place. And mm -hmm. so it's important periodically to just pause and ask ourselves, who are we now, right? And are we willing to continue to be this person? Are we willing to continue to become who we're becoming? There's an intentionality to those questions that I think is, is wonderful. So thank you for sharing them. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. I like, it's, it's like an astrology reading can be a soulful check-in to really ask yourself those questions. And the funny thing is, it's not even about becoming who you want to be. It's more like unbecoming what you're not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that deeply right now. <laughs> unbecoming. Man, that's hard work. Mm -mm. Yes, that's the work. That's it. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. You, you reference astrology as a, a tool that I imagine can complement other tools. And so yeah. for the, you may have clients, I imagine, that have a, a wide variety of spiritual backgrounds and disciplines. And so for someone listening who's kind of curious about astrology, but unsure if or how it fits into their, their spirituality, whether they be atheist, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, mm -hmm. Hindu, whatever, what would you, you say to them about finding the integration of astrology into their current belief system? Mm, that's a really, really awesome question. I would say that when it comes to spirituality, when we look at different spiritual philosophies and we talk about spiritual awakening, we talk about unifying matter with uh, the non-matter, unifying uh, our consciousness with universal consciousness, um, making that it what is not conscious yet, our unconscious more conscious again. Say that 10 times in a row, it's a tongue twister. <laughs> so I think that spirituality has a lot to do with the exploration of that what we can see. Um, which does not necessarily mean that that is not there, you know. Um, and I believe that we are consciousness having a human experience. And however you view that, uh, if you believe that is one time, if you don't believe that at all, um, it is really interesting to see what um, impact certain planetary movements have on Earth. In that way, we can look a little bit behind the veil of what we can see. So if you are feeling a little curiosity about this, I would say just to book a reading with an astrologer that feels good to you um, and you know, go into conversation about personal development, but looking from a different perspective, putting on these different glasses that look behind that veil. And that can um, give you a broader perspective yourself about how to integrate these, um, yeah, these beautiful symbolic language, these insights, these cosmic insights into your own belief system. Because that's the thing with spiritual systems or spirituality. It's so non-tangible. It is really hard to say, this is how it can fit in for you. It's like, more experiencing it than intellectualizing it.
Those sound like wise words. Uh, something I continuously have to lean into is experience rather than intellectualizing something. Because yes. intellectualizing things feels, at least for me, safe and comfortable. And if I can mm -hmm. understand it, then there's little risks to it. Yep. But I'm continually being invited into the experience of things rather than the mental understanding of them. Which is beautiful with your Aquarius moon because <laughs> Aquarius uh, mistakenly is mistaken for a water sign. It's not actually, it's an air sign. Mm -hmm. And air has all to do with the mind or rationalizing. So your moon is saying, hmm, what I need right now to feel secure and emotionally safe is to rationalize this all and understand it. So that is really interesting. But your rising, your Sagittarius rising, Sagittarius is all about curiosity and higher wisdom and seeking that out. So it's about leaning into experience, which is, uh, which is so valuable. Yeah, no, I mean, and again, that's what blew my mind when I read these things because it, it so accurately describes the odd combination of traits that, that make mm -hmm. me up, right? Like yeah. I've got kind of the bold, outgoing, sometimes mistaken for arrogant nature of the Leo, you know, mm -hmm. with the a need to understand of the Aquarius and the curiosity of the Sagittarius that, that all interplay, but they, different parts of those shine at different times and in different situations, right? Yes, totally. And it, it, it has me wondering, and this is probably a question for a different episode, but it's got me wondering, I think about the, the desire for safety through intellectualizing things that I possess, right? Yes. And, and I look at that as largely developed as a response to trauma for me, mm -hmm. you know? And so, so I understand the, my astrological chart to be um, based upon when I incarnated and where I incarnated at a specific moment in time, right? And yet, a lot of the evidence, a lot of the way I experience and, and exude the astrological signs is based upon things that have happened to me in the past, right? And so, so I wonder, had I had a different background, would I resonate as much as I do with yeah. the signs, you know, in my moon and sun, or would mm -hmm. I feel differently? And I can't ever know the answer to that, but mm -hmm. it's just a, a question that kind of rattles around up there. Yeah, of course. Of course it does. Yes. Um, it's interesting to note that a, a birth chart or a natal chart is a snapshot of, of the sky w uh, at the moment of your birth, right? So it's a static chart, um, which sometimes when I read for someone, I point out a certain theme that comes up in that chart and they're like, hmm, I don't really know if I if that is present for me. And I'm like, you know what? It could become present later on because these resonances are at play during your lifetime it's not to say it's all at the same time like we experience time linear right now but it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be linear all that is you know all the wisdom that is in your chart um, and it's really funny because I, I get messages sometimes like even a year or, or six months after a reading of people saying, oh my God, this is so totally present for me right now. And that's really, that's really interesting. And also important to know when you dive into a certain reading. Also, what I do want to point out when it comes to, okay, um, certain events or trauma in our lives that of course also contribute to our development. There are different perspectives or ways to 
look at our developments and they can be complementary. One doesn't rule out the other. Um, but what we do also see, uh, a bird chart is a snapshot of the sky at the moment of birth. But right now, we also have planetary uh, activity, which we call transits. So Jupiter is somewhere in some constellation right now, having a certain resonance. Um, and um, it was somewhere in your birth chart. And even that placement in your birth chart can have a relationship with where Jupiter is right now, which we call an aspect. Um, so, and that is a question I get asked a lot often, like, can you predict the future with astrology? And I would say, no, you can't. That's just not uh, what it is. But what we can see is like an astrological weather report of resonances of certain energetics that we interpret through the symbolic language of the zodiac repelling each other or resonating with each other. And that is super interesting. And when we look back in history, we see different things come to life. Like when uh, Pluto entered Capricorn in 2008, um, the, the, the economical crisis uh, took a different shape or form or started or... Oh, thanks, uh, Pluto. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so um, that is, and that is what we see when we study earthly events with celestial activity. And I don't, I don't mean to say, whoa, if Pluto does this, then something bad happen, will happen to you. I think we should take these interpretations really carefully. And that's why you should go and see someone you trust in astrology and someone who has severe background in interpreting um, these um, activities and phenomena. Um, because, yeah, you know, you, you see that with things that in, go into rising, just like yoga. Uh, it's super popular, which is great, but we also see the simplification of it. Um, and that's the same with astrology. Um, so that is, those nuances should be kept in mind when we look at um, our past, but also our future. Thanks for that reminder about the importance of, of holding space for, for nuance and that if something's popular, chances are it's not that deep, right? And so we have to do our work to kind of move past the precipice of what is popular about yoga or astrology or any any system in, in pop culture to really live into the depth. That's where we're going to find the most meaning and resonance. Uh, you are in a different phase of your life. You recently made a fairly significant life change. Yes. Uh, so can you talk about that change? What, what led you to that and, and what you feel you're stepping into? Yeah, so I started sharing yoga uh, a little more than a year back when I came back from my yoga teacher training in Thailand. I'm really big on philosophy. So I started sharing like philosophy in class because I wanted people and students to know why they were standing on the mat and what they were specifically practicing during that practice. And um, well, yoga philosophy is life philosophy and spiritual philosophy. So um, what I noticed is that my classes were like booming and people were, you know, coming towards me with questions about life. And that developed into me, you know, taking on this spiritual life coaching role really seriously. 
Um, um, I started working with a coach myself, uh, which is also on your podcast, Melanie Klein. Awesome. And um, yes, I have developed uh, my practice and my whole world changed. And I'm like, I started helping people and now I'm like fully thriving life coach and um, astrologer next to the yoga classes I teach. And I, it was always a, a dream of mine to, you know, focus all my energy and attention to that full time. And I thought that would take a li- little bit longer, but suddenly all these things came together like life does that sometimes. And last week I made, a, I made the decision to quit my job and now I'm full time with this practice and I'm so happy but it is a scary jump you know (laughs) yes sure sure congratulations by the way that is a huge jump thank you yes it totally was and you know the funny thing is like as an astrologer I'm completely aware of current um, uh, astrological activity and also my own chart and the funny thing is that I knew my Saturn return was coming up and January 2020 was one of the most significant uh, astrological months of 2020. And is a, it is a really rare year with a lot of celestial activity unfolding. Um, and even then, I didn't know that I was going to make this decision. I, I literally didn't know a week before that this window of opportunity would arise so quickly. And it was exactly on my set on return, which I think is so funny. Um, yes, it's, it's interesting. And by the way, a Saturn return, what I mean with that is when you look at your natal chart, um, all the planets have a certain placement and Saturn in particular is all about taking responsibility and how you structure your life, how you work, uh, the fears you work through. And, um, Saturn takes like 29 ish years to complete a full lap through the Zodiac. And so when you're 29 something ish, it will return to the place where it was when you were born. And um, so look at me taking radical responsibility, structuring my life, solidifying that that I want to solidify. So it's, um, it was uh, really funny to see, and, uh, to see how that came together for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, it was a fairly rapid decision from what I understand. And so if you think about the moments moments before you made the choice was there a deciding factor or a piece of information that convinced you or was this more of just like a, a gut level realization and invitation that you needed to kind of just step into the deep water what, what what was it like what pushed you into this yeah I think it was a combination of both actually uh, I already knew that I was working towards this point um, but then a few things happened in just a short span of time and uh, those were invitations to look at it differently and um, one was actually a book that came into my life that I read cover to cover in a weekend that had totally shifted my mindset about something uh, when it regarding business or something and um, the other <laughs> the other thing was actually I made a big promotion in the job that I'm leaving behind I was hired to become a coach Um, and I was going to do that with another colleague 
And we really saw eye to eye. He also teaches Qigong and I'm a yoga teacher. So we were, you know, we were on the same level. And um, I don't want to, you know, I want to be really sensitive about his privacy, but something really shattering happened to him and he was hospitalized. And um, I'm really happy to say that it is going well for how well it can go right now. But yeah, you know, that totally shifted like how I was going to pursue in this new promotion because it wouldn't be with him for in the foreseeable future. And, you know, you can rationalize that. But in my gut, I was like, this does not feel right anymore. I just I don't want to do it like this. And I had business opportunities coming in suddenly in January and all those things were invitations for me to look at it again or look at it differently. So I did, I put all the puzzle pieces together again and I was like, whoa, I see a window of opportunity now. Because it's always a different or a difficult decision making process. How do you know when you're ready? How do you know when your business is ready? And you know what? It's about finding a window of opportunity. You know, knowing, okay, I have this window and if I go for it, if I jump into the unknown, the unknown is always filled with possibility. And if I trust and I take inspired action on that, I will be fine. This is going to work. So, um, that's what I did. And the funny thing is, leading up to such a, a decision, your mind goes crazy, right? It's spewing out all these fears and limiting beliefs to keep you safe in the known. And um, well, I made the decision and I feel completely at ease. I'm so happy with it. So I know this is the right, the right thing. Yeah, and, and let me just affirm that, that that's how I know myself when a decision is the right thing. I have just this this deep, deep stillness in my gut or solar plexus chakra that, mm. that honestly can't be explained, right? And that's when I know that whatever I'm doing is what I need to be doing. It's, it's rare. It doesn't happen often, but whenever it comes by, I think it, you have to pay attention to it. Yes, and here you say it again, it's the unexplained. Mm -hmm. it's leaning into the experience of that what you feel without you know explaining it so there you go again <laughs> indeed coming full circle yeah so one of the the things i like to do is i want to i like to give my guests a chance to ask me one question if they they have it you know i spend an hour grilling them and so it's some some of them appreciate having the chance to throw it right back at me so is there a question you would have that you want to uh, throw at me uh, yes, yes, I do. You answered uh, too quickly. <laughs> yes, well, I'm, I'm curious about you and your decision-making process when it comes to starting a podcast like this. Hmm. That was an interesting journey. I, uh, I guess I have to go back about two years. Mm -hmm. I was in the middle of seminary, and I started to realize that I actually was a half decent writer um, and I was putting out different articles on spirituality and social justice and the intersection of the two and someone from the publishing arm of Mennonite Church USA which is the denomination I'm affiliated with they reached out to me and they wanted to know if I had any books I was working on and I'm like well no I don't <laughs> uh, but um, would you like me to be <laughs> 
and uh, so we, we started going into conversations about what I might write and how I might write. And um, I put together a proposal, sent it off to them, and it came back and it was rejected by the editorial board ultimately, which was really disappointing and discouraging. Um, mm. But one of the things that was shared with me is that the, the concern of the editorial board is that I didn't have enough of a following yet right, oh, to, to warrant being published. Yes. Right. Right. Oh. So I was like, okay, I need to take practical steps to, to grow my, my following. And so I relaunched my blog. My, um, I named it Invisible Truths to signify my own internal journey of, of uncovering um, truths about my life that I either wasn't speaking publicly or wasn't fully aware of yet. And I used it as a space to kind of catalog my experience of working through my trauma um, in the hopes that other people would read the words, would see what I'm going through, and would find some resonance in their lives. And that it would be kind of a freeing resonance so they realize that they're not alone in experiencing whatever they're experiencing. Yes. And so as I started writing more, more and more people started telling me that this would be uh, a, a good podcast topic. Uh, I had one friend in particular that that kept kind of pushing the idea and I put it off and put it off because I knew nothing about podcasting, right? I had no idea where to start, no idea how I should do it. Um, and then I think working with Mark and Melanie um, in Joy Rev last year, it just occurred to me that at some point, I don't have to have all the answers, right? Like I don't have to intellectually know how to do something perfectly to just mm -hmm. jump in and start doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so once that clicked and once I accepted that I could start podcasting, knowing that it would be rough, knowing that it would be imperfect, um, but that maybe there'd be valuable content I could put out into the world still, I took the jump. And so I, I figured out some of the technical stuff, the, ho the, the hosting service and um, music and you know, the structure. And I just kind of took the leap originally thinking it would be a lot like my blog where I'd share my stories. And then once a month, I'd have a guest on. But then as I started doing the interviews, I realized that, no, I think this actually needs to be more about me creating space for other people's stories to be shared oh, and, and less about my own processing. Um, and, and, and so as I've lived into this and had the chance to interview 20 something people, every time I find that deep soul level resonance, that deep soul level excitement um, of getting to hold space for someone else. Uh, and, and I get messages like maybe once a month by, from an old friend or someone that's listening that I don't know is listening uh, about something that resonates with them. And those little kind of nuggets keep me going so that even if this doesn't have a broad following, I know there's at least a handful of people out there that are finding meaning and in the content that's being produced in the space that, that I'm holding with my guests. Um, and, and so, so that is my podcasting journey thus far. Oh, I love that I asked that question. It was such a good <laughs> answer. Yes, beautiful. And so, so valuable, you know, like just as valuable as a book that would be published. Mm -hmm. We put so much weight on something that is sellable or uh, appears to be shareable because of, there are more people, uh, in a following so yes totally inspiring and 
uh, I love being a guest on your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I've loved having you as well. And as we wrap up, I like to end these episodes by giving my listeners something tangible that they can chew on throughout the week that will return them to the lessons we've covered. That can be a quote, it can be a practice, some sort of discipline, a resource. So as you reflect on the the topics we've covered, whether it be astrology, uh, decision-making, finding that deep peace that lets you know the transition you're about to experience is is right or confronting that truth you really wish would just go the hell away but it will not leave you alone as you think about all these things is there something you'd invite the listeners to return to to help them integrate some of these into their daily life over the next week i would want to emphasize that you are not your thoughts Hmm. and what I would like to say a little bit about meditation because what I see is that a lot of people are picking up meditation and even closing your eyes and being with yourself is beautiful. But real meditation is actually the practice of not attaching and not identifying with your thoughts and becoming aware of the presence behind your thoughts because that is stillness and that stillness is full of answers. It's not empty at all. And that is where you wanna draw from when you want to discern or make decisions. And to get there is to practice single pointed awareness. So that means you put your attention on your breath and every time a thought comes up and we have 60,000 a day, you notice yourself engaging with the thought and you bring your awareness back to your breath. And if you feel like after three minutes of trying this, you're like, this sucks, I'm bad at this. I'm, I'm being distracted the whole time. That's it. That's the practice. Keep struggling, keep doing it. And you will be able to become more concentrated on one single point and that will be the gate to the presence behind your thought, which is called sunyata in Tibetan philosophy. That's what I want to say. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rosa. And and to my listeners, you all have probably noticed that more and more, each of the guests that I bring on invite us into some sort of breath work or meditative practice. And so I hope that with each successive invitation, you, you consider this more seriously because there's a reason it keeps getting brought up, regardless of the race or gender of my guests, this keeps coming up. Uh, and so I think it's an important thing to pay attention to. And one of the things that I appreciate about what you just said, Rosa, about practice of breath work and of recognizing when thoughts come up and you get distracted to just return to your breath because it's the process, is it such a metaphor for life. Right? Life isn't about doing everything perfectly or getting it right all the time. It's about being in the process, returning to that which will ground you, returning to, to what truly matters and refocusing. It's, it's not about never veering off course, right? It's mm-hmm. about returning uh, yes. to yourself. And then so I think the idea of the breath work and breathing, it's just a daily reminder, a moment by moment reminder of, of what we're really, really here to do, you know? Absolutely. We're a human being. Mm. So we need to be. Yeah. Yes. What, whatever, how we look, who we are, that doesn't matter. We are all human beings. Totally. Yes. Mm. Great, great, great way to end this conversation. (laughs) Indeed. So Rosa, if people want to connect more with you and learn more about you and your work, where can they find you? They can find me at rosadebore.com. 
or connect with me on Instagram, rosa.day.por. I hope you can write it down somewhere in the show notes or the people are like, what is that name? The boar actually means farmer in Dutch. I'm Rosa the farmer. <laughs> That's great. Yes, totally. Yes. I, um, I always encourage people to hop on my email list because I, I really like to share um, yeah, valuable insights, cosmic lens through which we you know approach personal and spiritual development thank you and i will be sure to put all those links in the show notes and and for listeners that are curious about astrology but don't really have an astrologer you trust yet i encourage you just to to hop on rosa's email list and use this as a starting point uh in your process of discovery yes beautiful thank you so much ben thank you rosa it's been great uh, to have you on this morning Thank you for listening to this episode of the Invisible Truths Podcast. If you were impressed by Rosa, and let's be honest, how could you not be? She's amazing. But if you were impressed by Rosa and want to know more about astrology or the services that she offers, please click on the links in the episode description. That's where you'll find all her information. Secondly, I want to make sure you know that I've gotten together with some good friends and launched a new organization called The Kindred Collective. We are designed to give voice to equity through racial equity trainings and healing dialogue programs. So to learn more about us, follow Kindred Collective on Facebook. Once again, thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I hope you were blessed and affected positively by the wisdom that was shared this week. Until next week, I'm Ben Tapper.